Welcome to Theories of the Third Kind. Welcome to Theories of the Third Kind. My name is Aaron, and I'm one of your hosts. There are two other hosts that are joining me today, of course. Daniel Sun. Yo, guys. And Anna. Hi, all you cool cats and kittens. Also, we may have a special guest joining us in the middle of the show today. We just have to wait and see if that person arrives. Anyways... Before we start today's episode, I just want to say, like always, we don't run any ads on this show or take any money from any corporations. So if you would like to help us out, then there's a few ways that you can do that. One of the ways is Patreon. For only $5 a month, which is just 16 cents a day, you can sign up to our Patreon and get an extra episode each week. These Patreon episodes are exclusive to members only. Today, we released a Patreon-exclusive episode, which is over the dancing Israelis. Also, we have several more episodes already locked and loaded for your listening pleasure, such as the secret Nazi space program, cults, Disney darkness, Isaac Cappy, McMartin's satanic preschool, Clinton body count, FEMA, and much more, which you get access to all of it for just five bucks a month. Another way to support the show is through our merchandise. Just teleport on over to our website, theoriesofthethirdkind.com, and click on the shop button. Then you can see all the merch we have for sale. T-shirts, hats, all that good stuff. Also, I just wanted to say that the money that we do get from Patreon and the merchandise, that goes to bettering the show. Also, I know things are tough out there, but if you can't afford a shirt or a Patreon membership, that's totally cool. Um, We'd love if you could write us a review on iTunes. That would help us out a ton. If you don't want to leave one, though, then that's fine. We just want you guys, girls, aliens, reptilians, Bigfoot, Sasquatches, Chupacabras, Ghosts, Illuminati members, underground space lizard people, whoever or whatever you are, to enjoy the show. Also, one last thing. If any of you would like to reach out to us, and you can shoot us a message on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, or you can go to our website, theoriesofthethirdkind.com, and click on the contact button, and there you will find our email addresses. Also, on our site, you can click the voicemail button and leave us a voicemail anonymously with your phone, and we will play it at the end of the show each week. So today's episode is 9-11. How this episode will go today is that we'll first cover a quick overview of what happened on 9-11. Then we will hop into a timeline of events that happened, followed by the aftermath and investigation. We will then roll into strange facts and findings, then into a bunch of theories surrounding it all. So with all that being said, let's get into today's episode. So what happened on 9-11? On the morning of September 11, 2001, Terrorists hijacked four aircraft over the skies of America and flew them into the Twin Towers in New York City, the Pentagon in Virginia, and crashed a fourth in rural Pennsylvania after passengers on board revolted. So what we're going to do is we're going to go over the timeline of events here. So we started on September 11th, 2001. It's 5.45 in the morning at the Portland International Airport in Portland, Maine. Hijackers Mohammed Atta and Abdul Aziz Alamari pass through the security checkpoint. Ada and Alamari then board the flight from Portland, Maine to Boston. They landed in Boston International Airport at 6.45. Three other hijackers, Walid al-Shahir, Whale al-Shahri, and Satam al-Sakami. They meet Ada and Amari at the Boston Logan International Airport. By 7.40, all five hijackers were aboard Flight 11. 
They were scheduled to depart at 7.45 from Boston International Airport, having a final destination of LA International Airport. Now, including the hijackers, Flight 11 had a total of 81 passengers and 11 crew members. So that was the start of Flight 11. We're going to now jump to Flight 175. And how this is going to work is that we'll briefly talk about how the hijackers got on each flight and then roll into the events that happened on each flight. So on Flight 175, and this is also at Boston Logan International Airport, that morning there were five other hijackers. Hamza Al-Gamadi, Ahmed Al-Gamadi, Marwan Al-Shahi, Faiz Hamad, and Mohad Al-Shari. All five hijackers boarded Flight 175, scheduled to depart at 8 a.m. from Boston International Airport, having a final destination of Los Angeles International Airport, the same destination as Flight 11. So this flight, including the hijackers, had a total of 56 passengers and nine crew members on board. The next flight, Flight 77. So around the same time that the five hijackers were boarding Flight 11 and five others on Flight 175, Five other hijackers arrived at Washington Dulles International Airport. Khalid al-Mihar, Majid Moket, Hani Hanjor, Salim al-Hazmi, and Nawaf al-Hazmi. Three of the hijackers, Nawaf, Khalid, and Majid, set off the metal detectors when going through security, but no weapons were found. That at 8.10 a.m., all five hijackers were aboard Flight 77, ready to depart from Washington Dulles International Airport, having a final destination of Los Angeles International Airport. So including the hijackers, Flight 77 had a total of 58 total passengers. So that is like a brief of the three flights. And I mean, I know there's one more, but that's just the first three. Now we're going to hop back to Flight 11. So with Flight 11, it was about 819 when the flight attendant, Betty Ann Ong, grabbed an in-flight phone and alerts American Airlines ground personnel that a hijacking is underway, and that passengers have been stabbed and the plane's cockpit is unreachable. We have the actual audio of that phone call, so we're going to go ahead and play that right now. You're going to have to speak up. I can't hear you. Sure. What is your name? Okay, my name is Betty Ong. I'm number three on flight 11. Okay. And the cockpit is not answering their phone. And there's somebody staffed in business class, and there's, we can't breathe in business class. Somebody's got mace or something. Can you describe the person that you said someone is what in business class? Um, I'm, I'm sitting in the back. Somebody's coming back from business. If you can hold on for one second, they're coming back. Okay. Our, our number one is, got stabbed. Uh, our person is stabbed. Um, nobody knows who stabbed who, and we, we can't even get up to business class right now because nobody can breathe. And we can't get a good cockpit. The door won't open. For one, she was so calm for that. Yeah. But the guy seemed like he did not have any sort of urgency to the situation. Not really. I mean, it seemed like there was a lack of communication. Yeah, I was, that's what I was going to say. Like, what the hell does the seat matter? Weird. Yep. Uh, so then at 8.21 in the morning... Two minutes into that call we were listening to, the hijackers turn off the plane's transponder. That's a device that allows air control to identify and monitor plane's flight path. Then hijackers Mohammed Atta tried to communicate with passengers 
and the crew inside Flight 11's cabin. However, he pressed the wrong button, and Ada broadcast his message instead to the air traffic control and unwillingly alerted the controllers to the attacks. Guess what? We also have audio for this, so we're going to play that right now. We have some planes. Just stay quiet and you'll be okay. We're adding to the airport. Nobody move. Everything is okay. If you try to make any move, you'll injure yourself and the airplane. Let's stay quiet. Nobody move, please. We're going back to the airport. Don't try to make any stupid moves. That's kind of hard to understand. Does anybody want to translate that and tell us what he said? We have some planes. Just stay quiet and you'll be okay. We are returning to the airport. Nobody move. Everything will be okay. If you try to make any moves, you'll endanger yourself and the airplane. Just stay quiet. So yeah, instead of pressing that to go over the cabin, he presses it and air traffic controllers are like, what was that? What the hell's going mm-hmm. on? Yeah, I thought Betty was just being crazy, but I think something's going on on that flight. Yeah. So then at 8.37, after hearing hijacker Ada's transmissions, Boston's Air Traffic Control Center alerts the U.S. Air Force's Northeast Air Defense Sector. In response, the U.S. Air Force mobilizes Air National Guard jets at Otis Air Force Base in Falmouth, Massachusetts to identify and follow hijacked flight 11. So now we're going to move on to flight 93. So pause your thinking on flight 11. Starting with flight 93, the fourth flight, right? Yep. That's the one we haven't mentioned yet. So flight 93, the fourth flight. At the same time that flight 93 is getting hijacked, there are four other hijackers whom we haven't talked about yet. They are Ziad Jarrah, Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, Ramzi Bin Ash-Shabib, and Ahmed Al-Nami. All four hijackers were aboard Flight 93, ready to depart from Newark International Airport, having a final destination of San Francisco International Airport. Including the hijackers, Flight 93 had a total of 37 passengers and 7 crew members. So back to Flight 11. So six minutes later, at 8.46 a.m., five hijackers crash American Airlines Flight 11 into floors 93 and 99 of World Trade Center 1, which is the North Tower. The 76 passengers and 11 crew members on board and hundreds inside the building are killed instantly. The crash severs all three emergency stairwells and traps hundreds of people above the 91st floor. New York City emergency dispatchers send police, paramedics, and firefighters to the North Tower. Responders mobilize and the North Tower evacuation begins. At 8.50 a.m., Four minutes after the first plane, Flight 11, crashes into the World Trade Center, U.S. President George W. Bush is informed that a small plane has hit the North Tower. So a side note, at this time, the president was visiting an elementary school in Sarasota, Florida, and was reading a book to some children in a classroom. So at this time, Bush and his advisors assumed that the crash was an accident, according to him. Yeah, thank you for that side note, Dan. You're welcome. Okay, so five minutes later, at 8.55 a.m., the North Tower of the World Trade Center is smoking pretty bad. The New York Fire Department and a lot of first responders are entering the building and trying to evacuate people. 
We're now going to listen to an interview of an individual who was actually in the North Tower evacuating. He was on the 47th floor and he describes what it was like. Now, keep in mind, at this time when he was evacuating, only his tower had been hit and it was hit 40 to 50 floors above him. So we're going to take a listen to that right now. When I arrived at the sky lobby level, there were uh, masses of, of people waiting to the elevators. And for some reason, I decided to go back into the stairwell. The heat was just like quite intense. Uh, there were some people who, were, who took their shirts off. The intensity of, of the warning signs, like the sound of the, of the alarms, did, was really like uh, pounding you. And on the floors where you had vending machines, they had been slashed and opened, and the security personnel was giving out the water. And anyway, so we went down. People were very calm. There were three flows of people. The regular people like me going down. The people who were coming down from the upper floors and who were very badly vent. No skin, no, no hair, just burned. And so they were coming down and they were walking or carried down by people, helped by people. Screams were coming down from the stairwell. Emergency, emergency. And people were coming down. And then the third flow of people was, of course, those the security personnel and fire department people. Now, those people were exhausted. In some of those um, eyes, and you could see that they knew something, it was dangerous, they knew something. Well, there was no panic whatsoever in the stairwell. Those people were concentrated, focused on doing that job. And while I was walking down, they were going up to their death. And I was walking down to live. Damn. Oh. That's some heavy stuff. That is. And it only gets more heavier. So at this time, as this guy's walking out, and people are walking up, the firefighters and first responders, the people in the South Tower, they're freaking out, and they're wanting to leave. They're sitting there thinking, holy shit, a plane just hit the tower next to us. We need to leave. However, Port Authority, who is actually over the safety of the World Trade Center, they decided to go over the public announcement system in the South Tower, the one that hadn't been hit yet, and they told everyone, and I quote, your attention, please, ladies and gentlemen, Building 2 is secure. There is no need to evacuate Building 2. If you are in the midst of evacuation, you may use the re-entry doors and the elevators to return to your office. Repeat, Building 2 is secure. Which, we'll find out shortly later that it wasn't, but... Get back to work, slaves. Yeah, I know. That's why I always say put it to the friggin' man, you know? Yeah. So we're going to talk about Flight 175. Shortly after that announcement, the hijackers entered the cockpit and killed the pilots while Hamza and Ahmed commanded passengers and crew towards the rear of the plane. A flight attendant was able to call a United Airlines operator in San Francisco and reported a hijacking underway. Although at this time many individuals called their family members, one of these passengers was Brian Sweeney, and he left his loved one a voicemail. And we have audio of that recording that we're going to listen to right now. Message one. Jules, this is Brian. Uh, listen, on an airplane that's been hijacked. And things will go well. I'm looking good. 
I just want you to know I absolutely love you. I want you to do good, so have a good time. Uh, same for my parents and everybody. And I just totally love you, and uh, I'll see you in the future. Hi, babe. I call you. Yep, so that's the voicemail that he left. So then at 9.02, the Port Authority reverses their decision and orders an evacuation of the South Tower. They broadcasted the announcement over the entire inside of the South Tower. And this is what it said. We f***ed up. We're stupid. You should have left the first time. <laughs> this is literally like seven minutes later. This is seven they minutes saved later. so many people's lives. Yeah. <sighs> this is what it said. May I have your attention, please? Repeating this message. The situation occurred in Building 1. If the conditions warrant on your floor, you may wish to start an orderly evacuation. One minute later, at 9.03 a.m., Flight 175 crashes into floors 77 through 85 of that South World Trade Center, killing the 51 passengers, 9 crew members on board, and an unknown number of people inside the building. The impact renders two of the three emergency stairwells impassable and severs a majority of the elevator cables in the area, trapping many above the impact zone and inside elevator cars. Shortly after hijacked Flight 175 strikes that South Tower, some workers in the building jump or fall to their deaths. Something that's worth noting here is that this was already occurring on the North Tower. Individuals who were stuck in an area that was burning, they were jumping to their deaths. Estimates of the number of people who die as a result of falling from the Twin Towers range from 50 to more than 200. Immediately after the crash of the second plane, the NYPD requests the shutdown of the airspace over New York City. Also, the NYPD calls for more mobilization of units, bringing its total deployment to nearly 2,000 officers. The New York Fire Department also requests additional support from off-duty firefighters and firefighters from the surrounding areas. So then it's 9.05, two minutes after the second plane had attacked the South Tower. U.S. President George Bush is informed that a second plane had crashed into the South World Trade Center. 25 minutes later, before leaving the elementary school that he was reading those books at that we were talking about, Bush delivered a speech calling the attacks a national tragedy. In the minute-long speech, Bush says that, quote, terrorism against our nation will not stand. God, mm. that's such a sad, sad thing. Yeah. So now we're going to transition over to Flight 77. So on Flight 77, at 9.12 a.m., a passenger, Barbara Olson, on Flight 77 from Washington Dulles International Airport heading to Los Angeles Airport, Calls her husband, who is the U.S. Solicitor General Theodore Olson. He was at his desk at the Department of Justice when she called him. Barbara tells her husband that hijackers have taken over the flight using knives and box cutters. Theodore then alerts federal officials. 25 minutes later at 9.37 a.m., Flight 77 crashes into the Pentagon, killing all 53 passengers and six crew members on board. The crash and ensuing fire also kills 125 military and civilian personnel on the ground. And then five minutes later at 9.42 a.m., the Federal Aviation Administration, the FAA, 
orders all civilian planes in the United States airspace to land and prohibits any and all departures. So that was Flight 77. Now we're going to go to Flight 93. And at this time, Flight 93, which was going from Newark Airport to San Francisco, was still in the air. And at 9.28 a.m., the hijackers assaulted the cockpit and moved the passengers to the rear of the plane. Then at 9.31 a.m., hijacker Ziad Jarrah tries to make an announcement over the intercom. But just like his buddy on the other flight, instead of hitting the intercom button, he hits the button that sends the announcement to the air traffic controller. <laughs> it seems like they both trained on the same type of airplane and made the same mistake. Or they did it on purpose. I don't know. Make sure you listen to the Ooh. theory part. So his announcement was the following. Ladies and gentlemen, hear the captain. Please sit down. Please remaining seating. We have a bomb on board, so sit. That is exactly how he said it. So at 9.57 a.m., the passengers talked amongst each other and voted on whether to act or not. By this time, Flight 77 had struck the Pentagon and Flights 11 and 175 had struck the World Trade Center towers. The passengers decided to revolt. The hijackers became aware of the revolt and started maneuvering the plane violently. The passengers attacked the hijackers holding them hostage and then started using food carts as a battering ram against the cockpit door to gain entry to it. The hijackers in the cockpit that were flying the plane became aware of this and were caught on audio saying to the other hijacker that was a co-pilot, is that it? I mean, shall we put it down? The other hijacker responded, yes, put it in it and pull it down. Is that how he said it, Aaron? That's exactly that how he it? said it. Sounds like a bad porno. <sighs> The plane then crashed into an empty field in Stony Creek, Pennsylvania. So I got another side note here. Right before the crash, Vice President Dick Cheney had authorized Flight 93 to be shot down. But right after the orders were sent out, word came back it had crashed. Damn. I know. A little something to add in there. So back to the Twin Towers. Both are smoking, people are evacuating, and thousands of first responders are helping. At 9.59 a.m., after burning for 56 minutes, the South Tower collapses in 10 seconds. More than 800 civilians and first responders inside the building and in the surrounding area are killed. 27 minutes later, at 10.28 a.m., the North Tower collapses after burning for 102 minutes. An additional 1,600-plus individuals are killed. The deaths of adults in the attacks resulted in over 3,000 children losing a parent. And that is the timeline of events on 9-11. And it, it was kind of quick and dirty, you know, but we got a lot of strange facts and findings and a lot of theories we got to get into. So now what happened after 9-11, of course, many of you know, uh, Osama bin Laden was blamed for the attack. We go to war in the Middle East and are still at war with the Middle East or in the Middle East. There was a giant investigation that covered a lot, but eventually, you know, they just said that the towers fell due to uh, fire, right? And uh, to be honest, we didn't have time to talk into super detail about the investigation. And that reason being is that there are a lot of other things that individuals don't talk about that we thought deserved more attention. A lot of strange facts and findings, which we're going to get into right now. Wait, hold on. What is that sound? Is our special guest arriving today? What the f*** is going on here? This is Hans on the scene. The hell's going on in this godforsaken cupboard? How the f*** did you get in my closet? Don't worry about it. What? 
Oh my God, what? here he is. It, it is time it traveler is Hans. Hans on the scene has joined us as a special guest for Strange Facts and Findings. How are you doing, Hans? How was your trip? Was it good? Oh, you know, just sailing across the solar winds of time. Nice. How poetic. Mm, so dreamy. You look so good in person. I hear that a lot. Oh, nice. So <laughs> if this is your first time listening to an episode of ours, we have an on-the-scene reporter named Hans. And he does our on-the-scene reports. And this is his first time joining us as a special guest. So this is a treat for you listeners. So I just want to make mm-hmm. you aware of that. It's a treat for us. Adding another sultry voice to the, the episode today. Yep. So let's move on to strange facts and findings. So the first one I'll cover real quick. The dancing Israelis, okay? I might get a little hate for this, all right? Because we're not going to cover this one. We're not going to talk about it in strange facts and findings because it is actually our Patreon episode for today. Now, if there was a king or a queen of strange facts and findings for 9-11, it is my personal opinion that this would definitely be it. Oh, yes. So if you have Patreon, pause this. Go listen to the episode we released today. If you don't have Patreon, pause this. Go sign up for our Patreon for five bucks a month, which is only 16 cents a day, and help save one of us. It gets you access to all of our past and future episode and future content. So you need to go listen to the Dance in Israelis. It is very interesting, and it takes up an entire episode. And that is the first strange fact and finding. Now we're going to go into the second one. Who wants to cover that one? Osama bin Laden. Does our guest want to cover that one? All right, so Osama bin Laden. So, everyone knows that Osama bin Laden became the poster boy for the 9-11 attacks. He was accused of being the mastermind of it all. But what if I told you Osama bin Laden actually said that he wasn't the mastermind behind it? Well, that is just what happened. On September 16th, 2001, Al Jazeera, which is the major global news organization in the Middle East, Think of them like Fox News, CNN, ABC. Anyways, they broadcasted a statement by Osama bin Laden saying, and I quote, I stress that I have not carried out this act, which appears to have been carried out by individuals with their own motivation. All right, I was skeptical too, but get this shit. So, let's go back a little bit. On September 10th, 2001, one day before the World Trade Center attack, U.S. President's father, George Bush Sr., had a closed-door meeting with Osama bin Laden's brother, Shafig, in Washington Ritz-Carlton Hotel. Why did this meeting take place? Well, the details are never made public. Is that not enough? Well, get this shit. On September 14th, 2001, Three days after the attacks, a fleet of limousines were dispatched and rounded up 24 prominent members of the bin Laden family who were in the United States and whisked them all off to a private jet headed to Saudi Arabia. None, and I repeat none, of them were interrogated. So that is a strange fact and finding, man. That's crazy. That is very crazy. Yeah. Doesn't sound suspicious at all. I mean... I got a little theory behind that. What if old George didn't get the deal that he was trying to get with uh, Osama bin Laden's brother? And he's like, you know what? Here's a middle finger. I'm going to put it all on your brother. I mean, it's just a little, yeah. just a little taste tester for theories. You know? Oh, I don't know, Aaron. I think me and you are on the same page right there. Yeah. 
All right. Who wants to cover the next strange fact and finding? All right. Next strange fact and finding is a passport. One odd thing that allowed the U.S. Secret Service to identify one of the hijackers was that they found a passport. Now, why is this odd? You guys remember the one hijacker, Mohammed Atta? The one who flew the plane into North Tower that exploded in a fireball? Well, somehow his passport was found unburned and in pristine condition two blocks away from the North Tower, just sitting on the street. Somehow Ada's passport fell out of his pocket, somehow escaped the plane a few seconds before it had crashed. I mean, come on. Uh, that is, I don't know, that's weird, you know? Yeah. He must have opened the emergency hatch and threw his passport out. Like, no, they'll never discover it was me. <laughs> D.B. Cooper. <laughs> like a villain? Yeah. <laughs> they'll never find out. Oh, man. I could do British politician if you want to do Building 7. Yeah, Aaron? that's cool. Okay. So we're going to talk about a British politician, Michael Meacher. He served as a government minister under Tony Blair for six years. He claimed that the U.S. government knew about the September 11 attacks, but for strategic reasons, they chose not to act. He was quoted saying, The U.S. failure to avert the 9-11 attacks was an invaluable pretext for attacking Afghanistan in a war that had clearly already been well-planned in advance. The overriding motivation for this political smokescreen is that the U.S. and the U.K. are beginning to run out of secure hydrocarbon energy supplies. What do y'all think of that? Hmm? I read something and saw it on a documentary once a long time ago that the TSA had found a couple of the hijackers' luggage at the airport with their passports and with documents on how to make bombs and how to hijack and fly a plane. I think I remember hearing something like that as well. I actually read that. Yeah, they found it five minutes like after takeoff, so they knew what was happening in my eyes. What I read, they didn't find it five minutes afterwards. Like for Muhammad Atta, they actually knew that he was getting on the plane. So they withheld his luggage from going on to the, being put into the plane's hold, but they still allowed him to fly. Hmm. That makes yeah. no sense. No world order. Let me tell you what. New, 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 new world order. Well, let me tell you something, brother. This is the new world. <laughs> That's what I always you think of. You need to take that and have that as a clip that you could just insert every once in a while. And new, 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 new world order. I love that. <laughs> new, 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 new. Yeah. All right. So now we're going to roll on to the next strange fact and finding. So this next one, of course, is Building 7. Now, if you're into theories, you probably have heard about Building 7. I'm guessing all of you guys have heard about Building 7, right? Oh, yes. yeah. Yep. A few yeah. times. Okay, good. So, of course, Building 7 was a building near the World Trade Centers. It was the home of the Secret Service and the CAA. Somehow, despite it never being hit by a plane, it collapsed neatly on its own footprints seven hours after the initial impacts on the World Trade Centers. Building 7 did catch fire. You know, however, you guys remember the London's Grenfell Tower burned for days without collapsing. So that almost kind of makes you wonder, hmm, did they do it on purpose? And there were only a couple floors of Building 7 that were actually on fire. Uh, even in pictures, they were only able to show evidence that not every floor was on fire. The whole building wasn't inflamed. So again, weird. That could be a whole episode in on itself, Building 7. 
All right, so let's go on to the next strange facts and finding. Who wants to grab that one? So another strange fact that we got was some of the hijackers who were issued their visas were never interviewed. To apply for a U.S. visa today, a number of steps are usually necessary for you to be accepted. ID checks and initial appointment are required. It seems unthankful for visas to be handed to travelers with little or no security checks beforehand. Unfortunately, this lax approach to travel security was apparent between 1999 and 2001, when a State Department official approved visas for 12 of the 19 soon-to-be hijackers. Astonishingly, a few of these visas were issued without even interviewing the applicants first. The actions of the U.S. official Shana Stinger were reportedly challenged by a work colleague at the embassy who believed Stinger was far too lax in her duties. As much as her colleagues tried to prevent her, she still went ahead with her approach and unwittingly sealed the fate of many innocent lives that day. You know, reports into the hijackers' visas applications later showed many red flags that should have been acted upon and would have resulted in denied visas for many of the men traveling that day. Just another step in like a snowball effect. Now, was she connected to anybody important? I, I don't know. Uh, not that I saw, really. I'm just wondering if they would have had the, this could have been like a blackmail situation or like she might not have wanted to be that person, but was told you're going to approve these many people or your family's going to die. Don't know. Could be. I don't know. All right. Who wants to cover the next one? Sure. Why not? If y'all didn't know, the FBI confiscated 84 out of 85 videos from the Pentagon. Released Pentagon security camera does not show a 757 and is clearly missing a frame. James Wood, the actor, actually made a report about his flight from Boston to Los Angeles. He said he saw some of the hijackers that committed the terrorist act. They were doing a dry run before the actual day. Hmm. Makes sense. Sort yeah, of. Not, not, I'm not, not condoning what they did, but... It makes sense to always practice before you do something. Yeah, because yeah, you only get one chance at like a suicide. You attempt, only get one right? chance to see those 72 <laughs> virgins. Because, Jesus, yeah. Yeah, but have y'all actually seen the video from the Pentagon? I have. There's like a frame missing, which I have a whole theory behind the Pentagon. I know what happened. I have intel. You have intel? I have intel. I'm curious about that intel. Yeah. Alright, the original targets of 9-11 attacks were the nuclear power plant, but the targets were later altered by Al-Qaeda, as they feared that such an attack might get out of hand. Well, that's a little strange for them. Yeah, it is. You figured that type of attack, they'd want to kind of get out of hand. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. I can tell you right now, a nuclear plant can withstand a direct hit from 757, the containment building can no way i believe it those things are built like bunkers the spent fuel pool area can't that cannot oh god that place that is like a shed (sighs) legit like a shed i mean i wouldn't know yeah just guessing but in in 2002 a senior journalist from al jazar the arabic television station was taken to a hideaway in pakistani city of karachi there, the journalist, Sir Fuda, interviewed two of the world's most sought-after fugitives, the alleged al-Qaeda leaders Khalid al-Sheikh Mohammed and Ramzi bin Al-Shabba. That sounds right. 
Yeah, they revealed the original targets of September 11th plot known to its perpetrators as the Holy Tuesday Operation, where two nuclear power stations. But the attacks on these two targets were not carried out due to the uncertainty of uh, destruction. The names of the power plants were also not revealed. Man, that's crazy. You imagine that if that would actually happened? Oh my goodness. Chernobyl. Yeah. All right, let's go into the last strange fact and finding. What do you got for us? Prior weeks to September 11th attacks, the buildings were under heightened security. But the day before that change, bomb-sniffing dogs were abruptly removed from the building. Hmm. Found that little information after a little bit of digging. That's some good information. See, the funny thing is, that right there was actually from one of the security officers working the buildings. Damn. So that's the end of the strange facts and findings. And that's just the beginning. We're now going to get into the theories. So, who wants to cover the first one? I'll take it over. All right. Just like those planes. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, God. We're leaving it in. (sighs) So, this theory is that the U.S. government knew about the attacks. One of the most argued theories amongst truthers is that the North American Aerospace Defense Command, or NORAD, had deliberately ordered its fighter planes to retreat and allow the hijacked planes to reach their targets. The United States apparently had the most powerful air force in the world, but could not intercept any of the planes that day, which theorists believe is an indication of a government conspiracy knowing that they were going to produce the attacks, allowing them to go ahead. But why would they do such a thing? the government wanted to use these attacks to justify an invasion of Iraq and Afghanistan to secure oil interests. Every time you talk about invading, I mean, America invading another country, you see the memes. Like, does it have oil? Oh, here's freedom. What are your thoughts on that, Hans? Do you think it's accurate? Hmm, I think that's going to go with my personal theory. Okay, well, we'll say that till personal thoughts and theories then. I I think there's more than one reason, but that's a pretty... Somewhat of a, of a good reason. Yeah. There's no good reason to evade any country. I'm just saying that. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the theory. That's one of the, like, the beliefs I kind of have, you know, the oil. But the next theory is kind of like one I really lean towards, if I had to lean towards any. Are you guys cool with me covering that one? Go for it. Okay. This one is called the drug trade. So, Afghanistan, there was a time frame that Afghanistan was one of the world's most productive opium fields. However, not many people know that when the Taliban regime in Afghanistan, they kind of closed in and took over, that they closed down all the opium fields uh, due to kind of like the religious beliefs. This theory, okay, is that the heads of major drug cartels actually organized 9-11 to implicate Al-Qaeda and lead the U.S. into war, with the end result being that the Taliban would be ousted, would be kicked out, and that the Afghan opium production and export would no longer be frozen. I mean, if you look at a graph of opium production prior to 9-11 and then after 9-11, the opium production, like, skyrockets. Let me pull it up real quick. That's super interesting. I've never heard of that. Definitely sounds like a CIA move. Oh, they're real. Let me tell you. 
So I heard rumors of soldiers actually guarding opium fields. Just a rumor that I heard. So here's a graph. Opium poppy cultivation in Afghanistan from 94 to 2016. You can see it's kind of consistent from 94 to 2000. Then in 2001, it is like almost nothing. And then from 2002 to 2016, that mother effort jumps. So opium production was ramped up significantly after 2001. Maybe they were just harvesting the fields for the painkillers for their own fighters because they knew it was coming. Ooh, yeah. Maybe. Hans out here stopping theories in their tracks. <laughs> I like it. Hey, that's, that's just my theory. I don't work for any, you know, acronyms, but if I did, I wouldn't tell you. Okay. Thank you for that. All right. Well, let's move on to the next theory. Who's got the next one? Uh, I'll read it. So our next theory is oil companies. This theory is that the major U.S. oil interests had been negotiating with the Taliban to build a pipeline through Afghanistan to transport the large oil reserves, Kazakhstan, and the other newly independent Soviet republics. When Clinton hardened his line against the Taliban, they plotted 9-11 alongside the CIA so that the U.S. would invade Afghanistan and install a puppet regime that was friendly to American oil concerns. Hmm. I will say that it, it is known that the CIA did work with the Taliban during the Russian war with Afghanistan. They trained them, right? That's how they... They trained them, and that's how they learned a lot of the improvised explosive tactics and how to make uh, armor-piercing bombs. Didn't they yeah. also provide Osama bin Laden in the early 90s with weapons? Yep. With, uh, I mean, they weren't the M16s, but, you know, it's the CIA. If they want to get a hold of it, they can get it to you. Yeah. You need a, you need a pound of cocaine? I got you. Don't worry. Dude. Let me call somebody. <laughs> Hear that, CIA? I need a pound of cocaine. I need you to say that louder in the mic and identify who you are. <laughs> My name is Aaron. No, no, don't you shut your <laughs> mouth. You shut your mouth. That was good, Dan. All right. Who wants to cover the next theory? Either you or me, Hans. I'm going to let you do it. Okay. This is the one I believe most in all this. Okay. So we're going to talk about how some believe that the, t the Twin Towers were brought down by explosives, not a plane. Within just a few hours of the attacks on the trade centers, perhaps the most well-known of all the theories had already surfaced in on an internet chat room. The author of that post likened the collapse of the North and South Tower to an act of controlled demolition due to the way the buildings fell so quickly and perfectly into their own footprint. After the dust had settled, theorists raised further evidence in the form of witness testimonies citing reports of explosions were heard before the towers collapsed, and then debris was visibly shooting out from the lower levels of the buildings. When the official report stated that the towers fell due to severe structural damage caused by the planes and resulting fires, truthers argued that the fires did not burn for long enough, it was only 56 minutes in the case of that south tower, to cause the catastrophic collapses. And not only that, there had been plenty other buildings who have had burnings for how i'm talking like 18 hours and they never collapsed not one building with this type of steel structure has ever collapsed due to a fire only there was a report that i read that i, I can't really find it anywhere but it was something about art students israeli art students that were given tours a, a week before 
the attacks. And then they were given unescorted access to certain areas of the South and North Tower, which I thought was very odd. And we're going to talk about these art students in our Patreon episode. But that's something that I heard that was very odd. But anyways, that just kind of adds to the explosive. Maybe they're the ones who planted it. I don't know. But you did see those beams. I know, Anna, you talked about those beams that were cut. Mm-hmm. Jet, jet fuel doesn't burn hot enough to... No. Now, they did say that thermite was used. Nano or nanothermite or what they call super thermite. So I like started looking into that a lot. And but that's used in explosions. Yes, that's what they said that they use because it's not really loud. It doesn't make like a big boom and all that, but it's a powder. The only problem with that is not saying that they didn't know how to do that. They more than likely did. You have to make some sort of device to be able to hold the powder and then have the magnesium lit on it to actually control where the powder will burn. So I ended up watching a YouTube video of a guy that went through the testing of all this because they were just like, Thermite powder can't do that because it's a powder form. Yet the you can't control the way the burn is. This guy just started making makeshift fucking pipes and all that stuff, and he was able to make it to where it literally cut vertically or horizontally perfectly. So pretty much, he proved that it is possible to use thermite, the uh, nano thermite powder, to do such a thing. With that being said, the dust all around the buildings, you know, from the twin towers collapsing, all that had little iron microspheres, which is, uh, I guess you say, byproduct of using thermite. That is true. Damn. And also, when you use that, the purpose of it is to break those support beams as well. So the way that they were all cut into pieces was another indicator that those explosives were used and the byproduct of all the dust. You would assume it was from the buildings collapsing, but actually that, like Dan's saying, that just, that's a natural thing that happens in all controlled demolitions in that form. Did you see the images of days after when they were cleaning up in the backhoe, digging in through the debris and pulling up lava? Molten steel. That's crazy. Yeah. And that just shows that it, there's no way jet fuel burnt like that i mean every single load that they took off of there they had to spray with water to make sure it wasn't still burning Mm. to go along with that theory some more the picture of uh the support beams and everything they have a i guess what they call hand holes you know openings in it to look inside of the beams and everything the one guy that i was watching the video on he said that these hand holes were made way bigger than they're usually supposed to be so that means you can put more stuff, like get something bigger into those support beams. So, you know, a little device with some thermite in there fit perfectly, maybe. I like that. Just saying. Dan, dropping knowledge nuggets on us. I'm pretty sure the CIA is probably fucking tracking me now because I've been searching up a lot of thermite. Oh, they are. As soon as you search that thermite stuff, they're tracking you. Actually, you probably already tracked. That's why Hans is here. It's all right. I'm on my way to your house after this. All right, so let's move on to the next theory. Who's got that one? So our next one is, you know, a theory that happened in Washington. The Pentagon was actually attacked by a missile. Another of the theories around that, you know, had nothing to do with the Twin Towers, but the attack the same day took place at the Pentagon. That, although we officially know that it was supposedly hit by Flight 77, the truth is that there is a conspiracy 
that the Pentagon was actually attacked by an unmanned missile or drone. The slight damage to the structure of the building would be the basis for this theory, in which it is believed that it had actually been hit by a commercial aircraft it would not stand. I got proof to back up that it was hit by a missile. Dude, drop I it I like us. that. Yes, please. Okay, so I think I've told this story before on the podcast, but I used to work with an individual who worked at the Pentagon for quite a while. So we were sitting in class, and he was one of the instructors, and he said, hey, uh, he just started bringing up conspiracy theories, and we started talking about 9-11. And he said, you know, I worked at the Pentagon. I was like, yeah, I'm aware of that, blah, 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 blah. He was like, we attacked our own Pentagon. We shot a missile at it. It wasn't a plane. What are you talking about? So it gets on Google Earth images, right? Google Earth or Google Earth or some shit like that, okay? And you go to the Pentagon, which I don't condone using Google only for this situation, okay, ladies and gentlemen? So you go to Google Earth, all right? Maybe I should share my screen. So he took me to the Pentagon, right? So here we are at the Pentagon. Here's the 9-11 memorial, right? So what he did is he dropped the person right on the 9-11 memorial. He zoomed in here, said this is where the memorial's at because this is where it was hit, right? He put it back this way and he said, you see that right there? And I said, yeah, I see that. So then he zoomed back out, okay? Oh, dude, I think Big Brother's listening because the... It's glitching. Dude, your it's shit glitching is glitching hardcore. so bad. Yeah, Big Brother heard you. The stream you're viewing currently has reduced video or audio quality. This may be due to network conditions. Oh, shit. Hold on, let me go to Google Maps. Here, hold on a second. Hey, can you fucking quit? All right, sorry about that, dude. That was rude of them. Thank you for telling them. They work so fast. They do. Oh, can you see it now? Nope. I'll send you a picture, Aaron, of what we see. Wow, dude. Okay, now I see it. Okay, you see it now? Yep. Okay, that was weird. All right. So the Pentagon Memorial, right? Yep. This is the Pentagon. That's the memorial. You see that Air Force Memorial, right? The one thing that we looked at, this thing, remember? Mm -hmm. Okay. So let me turn on the satellite. There is a thing called, I'm not sure if you're aware of it, Henderson Hall. Either of you heard of it? No. Sounds no. familiar. Is this about the defense system of the Pentagon? The defense system. That is correct, Daniel. Okay. So here's Henderson Hall, right? So Henderson Hall, if you look, it has a defense, air defense, missile to whatever it's called. What is it called? Help me out. Anti-aircraft? Service to air. Yes, there you go. That's what it is right there. So there's plenty of pictures of this thing, this air defense or air to land to air defense, whatever, right? Shoots rockets out. That's what it does. Okay. It shoots rockets out. All right. So that's America. what this guy said. He showed me this. And I'm like, okay, I got it. After he showed me that of Henderson Hall, he then took the little measuring thing. So he did this. Boom. Straight line from the air defense system to where the supposed plane crashed at. And I was like, whoa, what a coincidence. It's a straight line from that Henderson Hall to where the plane supposedly hit. So I said, so what are you trying to say? He said, is what happened on that day is that the plane came in and was coming down towards the Pentagon. And this Henderson Hall had to make a split second decision. Do we shoot the plane down 
are, what do we do? So what they do is they decide to shoot it. It's too late. The plane hits, but when the plane hits, the missile hits right in after it. It, it made sense in what he said. And my whole presentation is shit. Anyway, CIA was not happy about that at all. No, it kept shutting down and everything. So that's my Pentagon missile story. So what you're saying is the plane hit and right as it was hitting, the missile hit the plane, causing a bigger hole. Yes. Which is why that there was still debris of the plane there, but people said they saw a missile going into it. It disintegrated it. Yeah. Okay. So I guess uh, to add to that, I read a little tidbit. That supposedly might have been Dick Cheney. Supposedly like a couple trillion dollars. Just a couple trillion. Not too much. Was uh, I thought it was Donald Rumsfeld. Rumsfeld. Okay, it must have been him then. Like some money was like went missing somewhere. Two trillion? Yeah. Or four trillion. One of those. Probably 2.4 trillion. When you get up into the trillions, it doesn't make a difference. No. It doesn't make a shit. It's, it's trillion, trillion dollars. Yeah. You know, that's a lot of fucking money. But yeah. And before they actually got to try to find out where these funds went... 9-11 happened. What does that matter? Where it, the aircraft and the missile hit in the Pentagon is where all the computers, the servers and all that were that contained all that information. Yeah. So now that information is gone. Yeah. All the important people were on the opposite side in that East Wing. And why was it that that wasn't hit? Why was it that the part that was under renovation was hit? If you really want to take out the people of power, why would you hit a part where no, nearly no one was in comparison to the rest of the building? Incompetence, which is proved by their inability to even broadcast a, a message over the intercom. Yeah. I mean, it is hard to rehearse something like that. True. You only get one shot. One opportunity. And they let their chance to, well, no, they got their chance to blow, I guess. They did. They did. All right, so let's go to the last theory. Who wants to cover that? All right. United uh, Airlines Flight 93 was shot down. The story of the United Airlines Flight 93, one of the planes hijacked by the jihadist, and the only one that didn't reach its target because it hit the open country in Pennsylvania, also has another version. According to the conspiracy theory, it is claimed that the small aircraft wreckage was discovered in the field that the accident site was too small for an aircraft that size, arguing that the aircraft was shot down by the military and not crashed by passengers. In addition to this theory, in the last few years, another version has been added that assures that a bomb was detonated inside the airplane and from there, it ended up disintegrating it into pieces. I haven't heard the bomb inside story yet. Yeah, because, I mean, I think I saw the picture of where Flight 93 was supposed to hit the ground. And for it being one of those, you know, United Airlines planes, it was a very small spot. Was it a, was it a regional jet or was it a 757? Even for a regional, it's still, that was still a pretty small spot. Did they just, like, nose it down? Did they just say, hey, you know what, down bubble 50 degrees, you know, full on, whoop. Or did they just kind of like, all right, we're going to kind of shave off some tree limbs. The Flight 93s, what happened is during, they got some of the recording. In the recording, that's how they knew that the people revolted the passengers and that they were ramming the outside of the cockpit with food carts. And the 
pilots were caught saying some prayer in Arabic. And then after the prayer is when the one was like, is that it? You ready? And he's like, yeah, let's take it down and insert it or some shit like that. And then it just goes. And then as it's going down, you hear the cockpit door break open and then you hear like rustling and all this stuff. And then that's that's all she wrote. Some people believe literally believe that Flight 93 is actually buried in the ground there somewhere still. I mean, that is a small crash site. All right. So now we're going to roll into personal thoughts and theories. Who wants to go first with their personal thoughts and theories behind this all? I guess I could go. So I guess I've always had a stronger feeling that it was bombs that took out the, the Trade Center. And that was all planned ahead of time. The way that they fell was you could put a side by side of any building being demolished. It is specifically made to fall in its own footprint to not destroy other buildings around. And all three of those buildings fell in that same form. Also, like I mentioned earlier, you could look up several examples of buildings with similar uh, structures that never, ever fell after burning. I mean, why would they do this? Well, they could have done it to put themselves in a better position of control in the world. We attack ourselves, kill some of our few, to put ourselves in a war to get what we want out of that war. I can't really figure out personally one route which what it could have been. There's a lot of different options, but I know that there's some talk about the New World Order being a part of this, gaining control. So what do you do to make a country go to war that really doesn't want to do it? You united citizens by a false flag event. Exactly. So that's what I believe it was. It was to hype us up, and then all of a sudden it's a race war, and we jump on that train, and we fucking ride it. I mean, I don't ride that train. I take a, a trolley somewhere else. But, yeah, I think it was just done so that we could go to war and get what we needed from countries. Do you think there was advanced knowledge of this happening? A hundred percent, yeah. Because they would have had to put the bomb, they would have had to place the bombs in there. I've heard stories that some of the floors were cleared out and nobody was on them at all. And that would have been perfect to throw some bombs in. And if you watch the videos, you could see windows blowing out, just like a demolition, way too perfectly. Um, The planes hit in the top third of the building why would the whole thing collapse up that high you know maybe it's like a jenga you knock the top off the bottom isn't gonna just crumble if they would have hit lower you might have been able to say something like that but it doesn't it makes no sense at all to me how those were ginormous buildings those planes disintegrated as they hit pretty much that uh that building some people believe it's cgi but i don't believe that it's a weird, weird one, but those planes would not have taken out those towers. It had to be more. And so that's why I believe it was the bombs. And I believe everything else was planned. And Pennsylvania, the revolting of the passengers, that was not planned. That was like a fuck, you know, oops. They made a phone call like, hey, the passengers are revolting. Shoot it down. Exactly. Because they say that when Bush heard 
about the first one, no Secret Service person rushed him out to be like, oh, we could, you have publicly said where you're at today. And if there's an attack on our country, they're going to come after you well, too. Well, after the first one, they said that they thought it was an accident. They didn't know it was an attack. But after the second one, you're right. They didn't rush him out or anything, which a little odd. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the video of him, the look in his eye is not of concern for people, but of more like, a, okay, this is actually happening now. It's officially going. And like waiting to hear more news. He just knows that there's more. My daddy's mastermind behind this. <laughs> well, funny you like say that. that. So Bush's cousin ran security for the World Trade Center. Oh, shit. It's a knowledge nugget. Yeah, so, um, I mean, if you wanted to place some bombs in a place, it would be pretty good to know security, to turn off cameras or allow you in after hours. Remove bomb-sniffing dogs. Exactly. Hmm. So, it was an American Airlines flight that first hit the tower, and they were the first ones to receive the phone call saying, hey, um, by the way, we're being hijacked. So... Obviously, I forget how long the delay was before they hit the towers. But in my mind, that's enough to, because the FAA has to alert everybody at that point. And hijackings are pretty uh, prominent on, you know, a schedule. So I just find it weird that everybody knew it was being hijacked, but the Secret Service is like, hey, I think it's an accident. We don't really know. I think it's just highly weird about that. It is. And then there's a lot of debate about them saying that they never even were told anything was happening. Like Cheney was like, no, we didn't ever get notice in time. Or they had so much, so many opportunities to stop this. But a lot of things indicate that stand down orders were called on military to not attack the planes. It, there's a lot of suspicion. There's a lot of conflicting reports, too. Yes, yes. I think Cheney was actually in one of the meetings at the time of the attack. The meeting was on about, I think, terrorism in the Middle East. So it's just kind of coincidence. Oh, we didn't know that was going to happen, even though we're talking about the terrorism that's going to be happening. <laughs> Do you think this was all planned, Dan? Do you think that they, the government was behind this? Yes and no. So I believe the government knew the attack was going to happen. I'm pretty sure they got reports on it ahead of time, but they just didn't act on it because, oh, we get many reports about fucking terrorism every day. So they pretty much pushed this one to the side. But my theory is on it is about a family rivalry. Uh-oh. All right, let's hear it. So I would say that it was part of the government, the government that uh pretty much the president had in hand in this. So little George Bush, because uh, like we talked about, was it the day before? Bush Sr. was in a meeting with Osama bin Laden's brother. Yeah. Well, you know that their family's connected even more, right? What do you mean? Yes. Yes. When Bush first started his oil company, Bush Sr. started his oil company, do you know who funded him? Al-Qaeda. Bin Laden's brother and brother-in-law did. Oh, wow. Next fact I think about it is, when a terrorist bomb went off at a barracks in Saudi Arabia and killed 19 Americans... Who do you think got the multi-million dollar contract to rebuild? George Bush. Osama Bin Laden. Bin Laden's family. Bin Laden's family owned a construction company 
So that's where most of their money came from. That would explain the very well-built fortress in Pakistan. That's a concrete miracle right there. So they already had money and all that. They helped fund Bush, get him to where he was making money from oil. Then he gets into power and everything. And then, like you were saying earlier, Aaron, that meeting between Bush Sr. and Bin Laden's brother, something didn't go right. And I'm thinking, you know know what? We know this attack's going to happen. If you don't fucking do what I say, Shafig, we're going after your brother. We're going to go after your family. Yeah. And I literally think that's what it was. Damn. Bush was, what, the director of the CIA before he was the president. Yep. So he's got those ties. And that kind of is what my theory is. These individuals were getting help by the CIA. The CIA planted the bombs. These individuals ran the planes into the World Trade Center, and the CIA set the bombs off. And the CIA said, hey, we're going to blame this on... Osama bin Laden, and then it'll also allow us to have strategic positions in the Middle East, and then it'll also allow the oil companies to ramp up. It will allow us to take billions of dollars and put it into the military for the, um, uh, what are they called? Uh, Raytheon and all those, what are they called? Defense contractors? Yeah, contractors. The military contractors get their pockets full. You know, you have reports of people before 9-11 placing puts on certain airlines, which is like betting against them to, to go down, doesn't make sense. They had prior knowledge. And I think this prior knowledge was, wasn't directly said, hey, this is X, Y, and Z is going to happen, but you should probably do this because I heard something. So I think a lot of people knew something was going to happen, but didn't know directly what but there was definitely some mastermind puppets, which I think was a CIA that was behind all of this, kind of like making sure the strings and everything falls into place so that at the end of it, they can still go and up the opium uh, production and get their cut in the drug trade as well and keep the Middle East unstabilized and put in the right regimes they want so they can keep the black fund money coming in. That's my theory. Hans, what do you think truly happened? Um, all right, 100% hands down, this is my theory. So, in 2000, in September 2000, to be exact, don't know the exact date, Times Magazine had an interview with uh, Saddam Hussein, you know, the horrible dictator of Iraq, the butcher. So, everybody knows Iraq is very rich in oil, and God knows what the hell we did to piss him off, but we did it, we, probably just being us, you know, us Americans. So he reported that he would no longer do business with the United States dollar because that is the currency of the enemy. And if anybody needed to purchase oil from now on, it had to be through the euro, through the EU, the European Union, because he wanted it to do better than the dollar. Well, my theory is this. The CIA groomed these people. They're very good at grooming. So they groomed them for a whole year. And they said, this is your mention. When this happens, you're going to receive great glory. What they didn't realize was Afghanistan was the staging ground to invade Iraq because we need that oil. In that happening, it took two years to get all of our forces in Afghanistan, get the bases set up, you know, stop the rocket attacks in Kuwait. And then we invaded Iraq and we toppled it. We destroyed everything. And he died. 
And so, but it wouldn't be the first time we did it because we did it in Libya. They refused to accept the U.S. dollar. So the, you know, the the U.S. is always oil hungry. Not saying that we can't produce it all, but the more you have stockpiled, the more ahead in the world you are. Yeah. You look at Gaddafi and Bashar al-Assad of Syria. He's, he's mentioned getting off the petrodollar. You mention it once and it's like all of a sudden you're painted all over the news as a, as a horrible dictator. And not only about Saddam Hussein being painted as a horrible dictator, but if you remember back in the day when George Bush Sr. was president, him and Hussein had some beef for a little while. They, were, they hated each other. George Bush Sr. felt that he had to get back at Saddam Hussein, like he had to be his end. And that was another reason why, you know, my son's the president now. We're still going to, I'm still going to go after your ass. Oh, yeah, most definitely. I mean, the opium is a plus because Big Pharma can just ship out all those rehab drugs and charge you thousands and thousands of dollars. But the real thing is we just needed that oil. And we're still there because we can't find a reason to justify our involvement in the Middle East to this day. Yeah. Because there's no, there's no reason. Like, it's over. You cut the head off like we did with Osama. And I said it. Hey, we might have killed him, but there's going to be some stupid idiot that hops right up and takes the next spot. And it, look, it was ISIS. Mm-hmm. Yep. And they're crazier than the Taliban and Al-Qaeda. Yeah. Well, I like your theory, Hans. You came with it today. I like it. Thank you. It came, it came when I was just meditating. Nice. Boom. When you're traveling through time and space. Yeah, visiting I was us. My meat. I was beating my meat a little bit. Oh, okay. All right, just making sure. All right, does anybody else got anything they want to want to add to this topic today before we roll into the next part of the show? I mean, I honestly we didn't have time to go into it, but I'm gonna link this. Uh, so Cam Schnee sent me a post about numerology in 9/11 and some correlations with some things. And honestly, I would I could do a thoughts and theories episode on it. It is it might need its own episode, really, but. Uh, I just thought it was really interesting, so I'm going to link it up for people. But yeah, you guys know I love numbers, and so when she sent it to me, I was super excited about it. Just way too much to go into here, but good all over read. All right, yeah, we'll we'll link that on our site for you guys to take a look at. All right, well, that's the end of the episode today. So each week we do an on-the-scene interview, but Hans has blessed us with his presence this week. and. We're going to go straight into voicemails this week. So uh, the first voicemail this week is from Gina, and we're going to play that right now. Hey, you guys, it's Gina. Um, I just want to say that I love the show. Um, I've been listening since season one, um, and I'm obsessed, hands down. Um, But yeah, just wanted to pop in and say you know i love you guys proud of you well i love you too and i'm proud of you too gina and thank you for listening and thank you for the support and love and i hope you're having a great day and i hope you have a good weekend this weekend oh yeah thank you for the kind words appreciate you so much and uh you know me i'm also proud of you and i love you stay lifted yeah thank you for the voicemail and much love 
Nice. Hans, do you want to tell her something? You're doing good things for this podcast by listening and contributing your support. And if you want to reach out to me about anything that might have happened to you over the weekend, I'm more than welcome to record it and use it on the show. Nice. Yep, on the scene. You know, your butt don't have to hurt. It can just be about how your weekend was. On the scene. On Yeah, but it has to be on the scene, so. Well, thank you for the voicemail, Gina. All right. Going to the next voicemail. It is from Jamerson, and we're going to play that right now. Hey, guys, it's your boy, Jabe. Just calling to say you guys do an amazing show. I haven't been listening for very long, but you guys definitely rock. Um, I've listened to you guys pretty much every single day now once I found you. Um, I get to listen to podcasts while I'm at work. So you guys help me when I'm out there walking and delivering the mail because I'm a mailman. But I wanted to uh, see if you guys ever heard of this theory that Paul McCartney died back in 1964. Apparently some professor from Michigan um, found this all out. And Billy Shears is the guy that took his spot because he won some lookalike contest years prior. I don't know. But it was really cool. And I've been investigating this. And I know it's like an old theory. But it's just really amazing to me. So I wanted to see if you guys have ever heard about it. And if you haven't, then maybe you guys could do an episode after you do some research on it. I would totally help you in it, too, because there's tons of evidence out there, I guess. Um, but other than that, um, uh, Anna, fuck the haters. Haters gonna hate. I love your voice. You can whisper sweet nothings in my ear anytime you want. And uh, what? Oh. oh, yeah. Bigfoot 2020. Oh, my God. I was like, what the heck is that? <laughs> Thank um, you, Jameson. Love you. Love that. Yeah, I have heard that theory so much. You know, I definitely have heard that theory. Uh, we were actually just talking in the Discord about how the Beatles might have been part of MK Ultra, and there's a declassified uh, document talking about it. I haven't had a chance to dig into it, but I've certainly heard about Paul McCartney dying back in the day and him being... Not the original, but I love that. I think that's awesome. Um, thank you for thinking my voice is sexy. Just put your put your headphones in a little deeper. Come closer. Aaron's <laughs> just like no, I can't I think of anything sexy to say. I don't know what to say with this. Um, just sit right on my lap. Mm. <laughs> mm, you got you got a tight little man butt on you, don't you? Mm-hmm. Just come on over. Sit in my lap. Okay? You like that? You like that pop? That's the rod in my Montauk chair. Enjoy it. Come back. You can pay for a repeat ticket. I'll take you for a ride. Boom. Thank you so much for that, Jameson, or James. Appreciate you. Love you, man. You have yourself an awesome day, and thank you so much for the enthusiasm. Yeah, I really liked your voicemail, man. It was awesome. Keep it up. Yeah, dude. Thanks for the voicemail. Love the Bigfoot 2020. Love the Bigfoot call. I would do it myself, but I don't think I can. I can't beat that one now. Hans, nice. or not, Dan, your fucking Yeti call is amazing. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Oh. Nice. I just felt myself get a lady boner. Ooh. Yikes. All right, so the next voicemail we're going to listen to is from Mr. Poopy Pants. Three weeks in a row. Huh? Liking it. All right, so... We're going to play that voicemail right now. 
My name is Mr. Poopy Pants, and I approve this message. Are you sick and tired of plumbing White House renovations due to Bigfoot 2020? Are you concerned about the environment and all the trees that will be destroyed due to Bigfoot poop nature? Well, if so, then you have reached the right place. Vote for me. Poopy Pants. 2020. Oh. What is that noise? Oh no. Please. Please don't tell me. No, it can't be. It can't be Bigfoot. No. Go, go away. There's no one in here. There's no presidential candidates in here. I said go away. No. 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 And that's the end of the voicemail. Uh, rest in peace, Mr. Poopy Pants. Uh, thank you for three amazing um, voicemails. I hope you're doing okay. And uh, I love you. I mean, I'm just going to say this, but I hope you didn't resist what was coming. It's a lot easier just to give in to temptation. We all know it's hard, but you got to take one for what you believe in sometimes. Yeah. But hey, that was awesome. I'm glad you were able to send it here so we know what happened. And I'm going to send my thoughts to you wherever you are, in a ditch, but up in the air maybe, who knows. Oh, Mr. Poopy Pants, thank you for that. Um, I hope that Bigfoot lets you go this time. But when he finds something he really likes, he, he holds on to it. And he plays a mean game. Uh... Honestly, I don't think I've laughed that hard at a voicemail in a while. Good job, Mr. Poopy Pants. Oh, yeah. Thank you for voicemail, of course. That was well well done. Now, I uh, I can't apologize for what Bigfoot done. You know, he became an opponent, and he took the tactical advantage and took you out the race early. Ooh. Yeah, he did. You had it coming. You get what you fucking deserve, Murray. <laughs> he liked you and he wanted you. And the value of a booty? <laughs> the value of booty is more precious than water. Oh, nice. and especially if it's a Mr. Poopy Pants. Hell yeah. All right. Thank you again, Mr. Poopy Pants. I loved it. I hope you're doing okay. And yeah, hope you're still alive. Uh, hope to hear from you next, next week. All right. Moving on to the next voicemail. Now we got two of them from Wyatt. Okay, Ooh. we're going to play the first one, talk about it a little bit, and then I'll play the second one, which is only a couple seconds long. All okay, right, okay. so we'll play the first one right now. All right, Aaron, you called me out, so I got to tell a scary story. First off, I talked to Nessie in Scotland, and she admitted that it was consented, so I apologize for the fake news. All right, here's a story. Me and the boys were out in the woods, and we seen Slenderman. With his long tentacles, grabbed my homie Jaden and ate him. Literally fucking ate him. Like, ripped off his head. Oh my, it was horrible. Then he grabbed me and he stretched out my booty and almost made me put seeds in my rectum like Rick, like Rick Sanchez. But Bigfoot grabbed him and made him with that long song, made him a bitch. That is why I am for Bigfoot 24. Alright, have a good day. Peace out, chodes. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great ghost story yeah thank you Wyatt I love you 
I'm glad you were willing to sacrifice it. Bigfoot saves the day. Yeah, he does. And we appreciate your support, always. Bigfoot 2020, you're amazing, Wyatt. Thank you so much for being awesome and supporting us so amazingly that you know that our candidate's number one. Yep. I love you. I'm proud of you. But there's one last thing. This is mm. not it from Wyatt. He left. Oh, we're missing the main point of that, though. <laughs> we're, we're, not mourning, we're, not, we're not mourning his friend that got eaten. <laughs> we totally just... Hey, he vol- he right. volunteered his tribute. Yeah. He'll, <laughs> come, he'll come out the other end okay, hopefully. Yeah. We had to make a sacrifice for the uh, rust moon that we had the other night. Oh, yeah. Are you guys ready? I'm ready. All right, this next voicemail is from Wyatt. It's three seconds long. All right, and we'll play that right now. Bill Gates has a Microsoft penis. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, that's funny. Oh, God bless. Very, very nice. I was laying on my patio, right, just laying down, looking up at the sky, soaking it in. I get alert on my phone, interrupts my connection with nature. I roll over, and I look as I lay there, and it's, you have a voicemail from Wyatt. I say, play voicemail. As I lay there, expecting a long voicemail, it goes, Bill Gates has a Microsoft penis. (laughs) (laughs) Had you thinking about it, didn't you? Yeah, I did. I just had to whip it out and start masturbating right then. No, but seriously, though, thank you, Wyatt. I laughed so hard listening to that. It was that amazing. Was great. Was not expecting that at all. No, it was amazing. Thank you. All right. So this next voicemail is from Anna is my sexual desire. And we're going to play that one right oh. now. Hey, it's a skeptic voter here, name unknown. I have a question about Bigfoot's campaign. What's his take on aliens, and will he unredact the classified documents and introduce us to the aliens? And how will he take down Hollywood's ring of sin? Much love, guys. And Anna, get her done. Bigfoot 2020. Dan, do you want to answer this? Yes. Bigfoot, he will declassify all that information. And if the aliens are real and they do exist, he wants to befriend them because he is one with everything. An honor. Yeah, no, man. I'm always getting it done. You give me a mission, I'm on it. I don't say no to anything. Let's do this. And where's my, um, you didn't, you teased me with that name. I was ready to hear something great. So message me back. I want to hear what your desires are. Ooh. Ooh. Nice. I'm running out of spank bank, so thanks. Nice. (laughs) All right. Well, so now we'll move on to the last voicemail this week, which is from Elizabeth. And we'll play that right now. Hey, guys. It's Elizabeth. Daniel's son, Anna, and Aaron. Dale says that he never hears anybody ever say Daniel's son first, so I will say Daniel's son first. Daniel son, we love you. <laughs> Anyways, um, so to reg- um, in regards kind of to what Aaron had mentioned last week, um, me and Dale have a connection. Um, if you look it up, it's called Twin Souls. And then 
Also, Dale is dual-souled. And so when you look at LGBTQ2+, he's the two. And it's um can sometimes be uh, related to um, Native Americans. And other, other times it's, you know, depending on your belief system or whatever, it is just a dual-souled person. Again, I highly recommend looking them both up. They are very interesting. I'm the kind of person where if I feel a connection or something, I try to figure it out. And I wanted to know why we were in such the same, you know, path length and whatnot like that. Um, my powers, quote-unquote, of, like, what I encounter um, do seem to resonate with other people. Like, it depends on what level they're at, um, wavelength they're on, however you want to say it. And it also depends on um, if I'm really close to them or not. Um, there has been incidences where I've inadvertently transferred it to my mom. Um, my cat is extremely, extremely sensitive, more so than me and Dale, but I will get into that in another, another time because that's a whole other message on its own. Um, but yes, uh, in short, me and Dale do experience things together and alone. The one time he did hear the help me on his work phone while he was working late at night um, from the spirit path. I'm assuming the little girl just got um, separated from the path or whatever and needed help back to it. Um, the, we've also had a toy in that room where he works possessed before too. So um, we definitely do experience things together. The long and short though of this um, story this time is actually one time an example, me and Dale were, um, excuse me, I'm sorry, uh, me and Dale were at a movie theater, and we like to get there a few minutes early, because I like to pick out the perfect seat, I'm like a movie theater buff, so, um, and I happened, it was pretty empty in there, but I happened to look back, and I see a young woman, probably about, I'd say 18 at the oldest, but she was from Victorian age. She was dressed in all silks and um, lace and like a big floppy lace hat and like that, that kind of um, dressing. And she was in black and white and she was a full operation and she was just sitting there watching the movie. So that's one of the ones that really stands out to my mind when I think of things that we've experienced as far as paranormal goes. Um, we do have other experiences that are not paranormal, but are abnormal that I will go into in an, another date. I just, I try not to make these too super long because I don't want to hold up everybody's time and be able to have everybody be able to leave their voicemails. So I try to keep these short if, if I'm able to. So I will definitely get into those other things on another voicemail. But again, I very much enjoyed these um episodes this week and i appreciate you guys and we love you and i'm trying to um, hypothetically be a part of discord but it's, it goes very fast for my brain so i might just be a lurker you never know <laughs> put in my two cents here and there but mostly just lurk <laughs> um but yes uh, i love you guys very much you're very special to me and I very much appreciate everything you guys do. If there is a way to make this a full-time thing for you guys, let us know. You know we'll help you. We're your family. 
You just got to let us know. That's all. Okay? Because $5, obviously, is not going to, you know, cut the mustard. It's not going to put the, the meal on the, the table. But let us know what we can do, you know? We're a big family. We love you guys. And let us know. Okay? Love you guys. Bye. I wanted to add, um, after the fact, I just listened to my voice recording because I always like to listen to it. Um, I just wanted to add that I apologize that I'm speaking so much into the mic. I have a fan in my the room I'm in right now, and so I was afraid I was going to get feedback from the fan, but apparently you're getting feedback from my voice talking so weirdly into the microphone. So I wanted to apologize for that and thank everybody just to deal with it this week. <laughs> thank you guys. Bye. <laughs> Thank you for the voicemail this week, Elizabeth. It's always great hearing from you. Thank you for the support, for the love. You're an amazing individual, you and Dale both. I know we all chatted a couple days ago in uh, the lounge, you know. And I think all three of us did. And uh, it was a great time chatting with you. And since you joined the lounge and chatted, you know, you're getting a special gift basket from us, you know. So be on the lookout for that in the mail. I love you. Also, you can be a lurker. There's nothing wrong with that. That is a comfortable position for many. You know, just enjoy yourself there. If you find a topic that you want to jump on, feel free. You always come with stories that just knock my socks off. I'm never prepared for it, but I love it. So thank you so much for sharing, as always. You are so awesome, and we love you, and thank you for taking time to talk with us the other night. But, uh, yeah, I want to say, uh, yeah, your voicemail was very nice. A lot to keep up with, but I'll have to re-listen to it later to make sure I can know what to talk to you about. He's such a sweetheart, isn't he? He is. Just look at that smile over there. Just, mm, just want to go over there and just pinch those cheeks and then come over there and just... Yeah, hey, I like a man that tells me what he wants. Oh, yeah. Ain't no beating around that bush. <laughs> so... Yes, thank you, Elizabeth, again, and Dale, or mainly Elizabeth, for the voicemail. Um, I, I did have a question this week, again. What is y'all's favorite conspiracy? Like, if you had to dive really deep into one, that you're like, ooh, every time I see that on the Discovery Channel, every time I read an article and that comes up, I am so intrigued by it. What would that conspiracy be? Please let us know. We'd love to hear about it. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, thank you for the voicemail. And I don't know, I think I'm going to view uh, movie theaters a little bit different. Hopefully I don't see anything there. Yeah. All right. So as we were listening to this voicemail, we actually got another one in. A short 20-second voicemail. So this is actually the last voicemail of the week. And it is from Rob. And we'll play that right now. Hey guys, I'm a new listener. I just wanted to say that I'm really stoked to listen to your guys' show. You have a lot of great content. I love the topics. And uh, what really got my attention was the Dyatlov Pass incident, um, because I don't see a lot of people really talking about that. And I think it's a really highly interesting topic, and I'm really stoked to listen to the podcast and hear what you guys have to say. Thanks for all your content. He sounds like someone very familiar. He does. I'm trying to think of the actor he sounds exactly like, and I can't pinpoint it. Hold on, I'm going to listen to it again real quick. James Wood. Yes. Yeah. James Wood. James Wood. I did that on my own, just so you know. 
That was not Google, you guys. It just Dude, came to yes. me. Yes, James Wood. That is exactly who it is. That sounds just like him. Wow. And we talked about him in this we episode. <laughs> Rob, you sound like James Wood and John C. Riley. Yes. <laughs> no, for real. Either whether or not you're James Woods or Rob. Thank you for that voicemail. Goodness, do we love a last-minute voicemail. Uh, it doesn't happen very often, but we we appreciate you. So glad that you're loving the show already. Um, and yeah, The Outlaw's Past was a real good one. I liked that one. Yeah. Thank you, Rob, for the voice. Yes, thank you so much. Much love. I'm glad you like the show, and I love you. So he's proud of you. Proud of you. All right. Well, that's the end of voicemails. Now we're going to go quickly into ratings and reviews. It's from Mr. Listener. It was left on July 10th. It is four stars with a subject line that says season one was better. They go on to say the topics and the ideas are still on par with season one, but for some reason, Anna makes it a mental battle to get through an episode. She interjects and overtalks the others, often being completely off mark. Bring back season one vibes or bring in someone else that better complements the other hosts. Otherwise, great listens and hoping it continues. So, Mr. Listener, uh, that was a while back. Uh, I hope you re-listened to some episodes. I personally didn't think that she interjected or over-talked any of us because when we're editing the episodes, we make sure that nobody over-talks one another. Um, so, yeah. But thank you for the four stars. Love you. When I edit, I make sure uh, no one speaks over each other. And, I mean, other than the laughing, I usually leave the laughing in all together because that sounds right. So... Oh, yeah. I mean, for the most part, we don't talk over each other. And maybe I am taking charge here to make this statement. You guys better not tell them anything I fucking say to you. You listen. This is my show, you guys. I created all of this. They were the puppeteers that I put in to see if this would work. And they made it go somewhere. And now I'm coming in to take all the fucking credit. So, thank you very much for doing the work. And I will continue to... Speak this sexy voice that many other people love. So, I hope that you enjoy that I've improved my voice over these few months. And we will bring back... Oh, no. God, I was going to bring a television voice into it, but... Yeah, I can't do it. But thank you for the four stars. Appreciate that a lot. And honestly hope that you're enjoying the show more as we've gone on. Yes, thank you for the four stars in the review. This next one comes from Wazik. So's Jay. Thanks for giving me an easy name to say, my friend. Uh, this is a five stars, and he says, Everyone's hating on Anna. Clearly, the people commenting about Anna are sexist. When I listen, I personally don't have any issues, and I feel as though her voice goes perfectly with the podcast. Boom, mic drop. Thank you so much, Wazik So's Bajing. I appreciate you. You honestly, that was like for real. When I read that comment in real time, you made me extremely happy because, again, I don't let these haters bring me down because I got people like you who spread the love, and that's all I hear. I mean, I take constructive criticism, but I appreciate you so much, WS, and I will continue. I will take that love that you just sent me. I will bundle it in a package to give it to somebody else who needs it. Like, passing it, paying it forward. So thank you so much. You freaking rock. Go you. Stay lifted. Boom. Thank you, WizYQ. Uh, I agree. Anna is 
awesome and her voice goes perfect with this podcast. And I love you. And I love her. And Hans and Dan. Uh, I love you too. You better save that little clip. I She fits into the podcast very well and I honestly don't see why people hate. I really don't. Everyone has their opinions, I guess, so. All right. Our next review is from Orla Ross from Ireland, left on 713, titled Amazing with five stars. Says, great podcast. I love Aaron, Dan, and Anna. I don't know if you have already done this, but I love ghost stories and Ouija board stories, too. And also, I always listen to your podcast with my friends at GAA matches. Well, thank you. Orla Ross from Ireland. I'm not sure what GAA matches are. I'm sure it's really cool. I looked it up. I think it's like the Gaelic games or something like that. That's soccer. It's like soccer, hardball. Hey, it's football, all right? You say it in the name of the people. Oh. Hurling, Gaelic football, handball, rounders, kamoji, and ladies football. Well, thank you. I love you. Thank you. Yep. Thank you for the review much love thank you so much you're awesome okay uh next review is from p cooler uh left on 713 from great britain title is excellent five stars really enjoyable podcast has everything you want i bet anna is gorgeous as she sounds well i i can tell you that's a true statement i broke down this closet to find out it's true i gotta replace my freaking door now dude there's no replacing that he tore that shit off the frame and everything. That was a powerful I kick. Know. That's right. You might as well save that. I'll sign the door when I leave. We'll be famous one day. <laughs> nice. I like I love that. it. Yeah, me too. Thank you, P. Cooler. And I agree. She is. Boom. All right. This next, uh, this next review was left by Reptilian Humanoid on 714. It is five stars with the title of Bigfoot 2020. They go on to say, over the past two years, I've really gotten into podcasts, podcasts, especially ones about conspiracies in the supernatural. So far from listening to this podcast, it's proven both interesting and fun to listen to. Never a dull episode. I've burned through the entire two seasons in probably less than two months. I think all of the hosts are fantastic, and I think Anna needs to send me her nudes. Kay, thanks. <laughs> you got an address? She's going to send that shit by mail. <laughs> oh, they're Polaroids, huh? Oh, wait, man, I'm old school. Dang, you must got a big bush, too. That's <laughs> oh, God, no, I can't. It's just a hand in the bush. <laughs> Hell no, I ain't that old school. Oh, it's going to be black and white Polaroid. There's too many bad reputations with things called bush. Mostly people. All right. So this one comes from Mr. Bigfoot President. Uh, it is. It was left on 714, titled, Anna is great. Why y'all hating? Five stars. Anna has added a lot to this new season, and these past reviews look like a jealous ex. Can't people just be happy for others? Anna, thank you for all that you do. You always dive super deep in the topics, and I come back just because you never know which way you'll take us down that rabbit hole. Aaron, keep talking sweet nothings to me with that sexy voice. And Dan, you got a number for Bigfoot? I'd like to take him up on that, um, ride he offered me the other day. You guys just keep your heads up and don't let this child's temper tantrum bother you. Y'all are killing it this season. 
way better research and you sound like you each did work to know the topic. So, thank you. <laughs> so, thank you guys. I love you. I love you, Mr. Bigfoot President. Uh, look at that. Screw all y'all haters, because all these positive ones are coming up, and I love it. And every time y'all hear these hate, the, this hate, you come back with so much more love. So, you're awesome. I love you, too. I, you know, it does sound like a jealous ex. I like it when Aaron whispers sweet nothings to me, too, at night. Oh, yeah. Come on over here. I want you to take off those pants and... Not a problem, Daddy. Dirty with us. Mm. Daddy, chill. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for do the world. Do the rawr. This is my swamp. Do the rawr. I, lo- I love you, Daddy. <laughs> it's so perfect. I think that needs to be a ringtone for us. All right. Our next review is from Mikey1313, left on 715 from Great Britain, titled Loving It in the UK with five stars. And it says, Been wanting to listen to this sort of thing for a while and now regret not looking sooner. Absolutely love it. You guys are hilarious. We love you guys to cover stuff like the Madeline McCann dis- disappearance, the Zodiac Killer, and coronavirus. And was so sad listening to the January 5th episode when it was only five confirmed U.S. cases. Love from Mike in England. God, that was so long ago when we did that episode, huh? Yeah. And we were right on top of it, though. Yes, right we on friggin' top Always of it. Always are. So. That's when they called us what, like the prophets? <laughs> yeah, we we're called the podcast prophets. Uh, that we was predicted funny. Epstein's and then predicted the coronavirus explosion. The pro- podcast prophets. The next prophecy is I don't know, but thank you for the uh, review. I love you. Uh, this next review is left by oh Jesus, H U B D. G-K-S-A-V-J. Title says, Great show, and it has five stars. I appreciate the deep research that you guys do. All the little details and stories, and the way you guys get excited about topics really gives off some great energy. I love listening to this show on my way home, or even during work. So interesting and fun. Well, I personally appreciate you listening to it means a lot to everybody. Yeah, it does. Hell yes. Thank you so much. We appreciate the five stars, and I hope you've been continuing to enjoy the content the last two months. Appreciate you so much. I love you. H-U-B-G-S-K-P-F-F-A-B-C-D-E-F-G. Yep, thank you. I love you, and I hope you have a great week, and thank you for the review, and you're an amazing person, and I'm glad we could provide you some good energy because I'm always sending it out. Yes, thank you for the five stars in the review. Hub DJK, Sav J. Boom. Nice. All right, this next review is left by Coolio6820471. It was left on 716. It is five stars with a subject line that reads awesome. They go on to say, this is my favorite pod ever. And I love Anna. Well, I agree with you, Coolio. I love Anna too. And thank you for the five stars. And thank you that we're your favorite pod. I hope we still are, and I hope you're still listening, and I want you to know, and we are living in a gangster's paradise. You know what, Coolio? I love you too, and I appreciate you so much. That five stars went right to my heart. Thank you. Yes, thank you for the five stars and the review. You're the man, Coolio. Keep sending the love. 
Our last review today comes in from Terry and Thea. This was left on 716, titled Great Watch, five stars. I love this girl named Anna. She's got the stories. Ooh, I am feeling the love today. Oh my gosh, I've never heard so many kind words in one week. Y'all, it's a good thing that I'm floating in a sea of love. And no matter how much you give me, I'm never going to sink. I could just share the love to others. So thank you so much, Terry and Thea. Honestly, these kind words do not fall on deaf ears. I appreciate it so much. And I hope you're still enjoying the show. Stay lifted, my friends. Nice. Boom. Thank you for the review and the five stars. I love you and thank you. And that's the end of the reviews this week. So we usually do the shout outs at the end of the show each week, but due to time constraints for this week's show, we're going to have to move them to next week's. We apologize for that, but we just wanted to make sure that we could fit all the material in for this week. So with that being said, I want to go ahead and roll out. But before I do, I want to thank Hans for dropping in for this week's special guest referee for the new, 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 new world order. Thank you, Hans. Oh, not a problem. Thanks for having me. Yeah. You're welcome anytime, but next time don't smash my door in, please. I'm sorry. I just couldn't help it. I know you've been waiting a long time to see me. I know it. Hey, it's okay, Hans. If you want, you can come break down my door. Back door. But you don't have to because my window is going to be open just for you. Yeah. Oh, break that. <laughs> all right. Down. Well, I want to thank you all for joining us today. And again, thank you for your support. You are all amazing. Every single one of you. So with that being said, Hans and Anna, you want to roll us out? You bet. It's okay to be out of this world with your thoughts. Because you're not alone. <laughs>